The book of Acts points out that all whom were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost were filled with Holy Spirit as he descended on the 120 that were gathered, appearing as tongues of fire and resting on each of them. The book goes on to record they were all filled with Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Since scripture indicates all, meaning everyone, and we know that Mary, mother of Jesus, was present according to Acts, suffice to say that Mary also spoke with other tongues. Join us now as we break down the supernatural gifts of Holy Spirit, with an emphasis on speaking in tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and the gift of prophecy. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, everybody. Good day. This is Mark Russick. You're listening to The Russick Outlook. Thank you, as always, for your time. I hope and trust this will be time well spent uh, and and that it will be edifying and a little, hopefully a little bit of a learning experience for you. Uh, today's topic is called Tongues of Fire where this is the close of a mini three-part series where I've been focusing on the supernatural gifts of Holy Spirit as outlined by the Apostle Paul in the book of Corinthians. There are nine supernatural gifts. We've covered the first six, where I believe shows that it's inspired by Father and Son. And these last three gifts, uh, I, I believe, shows an emphasis on Holy Spirit. And, and that's what we're going to be uh, breaking down. So the topic is, and the title is called Tongues of Fire. If you're watching you see a uh, montage of images if you're listening on podcast. The reason I'm breaking down the, uh, the images, and, I, and I'll describe it for you, that there are people of all ages, all different uh, backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, different national backgrounds. And why? Because, you know, the, the Word of God says that I am no respecter of person, that everything that we're talking about, or at least as it pertains to the gift of tongues, is available to all. And speaking of all, uh, the reason I say that is <clears throat> I'm going to point out a few scriptures today with the word all in it. And I believe when, when, when the word of God says all, it means all. Uh, you know, whether, you're, whether the word is describing a certain situation or event or things that are available. And that's how I'm going to be breaking that down. And, and that's why I wanted to show these different people, these different backgrounds, because you know, God loves us all, and, and these gifts and these presents that I believe are available to all of us, and as I stated earlier, some gifts to certain people and some, you know, to others, and, and that's really what makes us wonderful as a body and collectively when we're all operating in what I call our lane, and uh, there, the, you know, the church is edified, the church is stronger when everybody's moving in the gifts that God's assigned them, as well as bringing their own unique personalities and talents uh, to the table, uh, you know, to to ba- basically, you know, get take part in the Great Commission and spreading the joy and the love that Jesus has for us, and and talking about the gift of, of the cross. So let me let me first say here all. I'm going to read the uh, book. I'm sorry, Acts two four, the book of Acts, uh, where it says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So everybody who was present in the upper room, I'm, I'm believing that, that anybody listening here understands uh, that after Jesus left, a Holy Spirit came and met them in the upper room, and that's where it says tongues of fire or cloves of fire uh, came upon all of them. And 
you know, let me just state this up front. Uh, Mary was present uh, in the upper room. We know that from the book of Acts. I believe it's Acts 13, uh, where we, and, and the reason I say that, if Mary was in the upper room and it says all, that means all that Mary was filled with the Holy Ghost, that Mary spoke in other tongues as, as outlined. There's no reason to believe otherwise. Um, I, I, and this, is, this would only be conjecture on my part beyond this. I believe there were members of Jesus' immediate family, meaning his half-brothers and sisters. Um, some people may not know that Jesus had, had uh, you know, Mary had other brothers and uh, other sons and daughters, I should say. And you can find that in Mark 6, 3, where it talks about the four brothers, James, Joseph's, uh, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. It's J-O-S-E-S, Judah, and Simon. Judah is one who wrote the book of Jude, James, the book of James. And these two, we know, were non-believers. Uh, when Jesus was walking the earth in the flesh, uh, you know, that they, that they, 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 they did not believe him. Uh, they later came to understand and believe, and I'm, I'm, well, I know that he went to James first after the resurrection in a glorified appearance, and you know potentially he may have gone to all of his family. Uh, but I just say that that it's just my hunch that beside Mary, that there were others uh, from the family that were there, uh, and and maybe all of them. And we don't know how many sisters we have. It just says sisters plural, so we know that there's at least two, and so two half-sisters and four half-brothers. So that's a pretty big family. Um, and and the reason I'm kind of getting into all of that is it, it's clear. So, you know, if there's doctrine that's that you're kind of thinking or, or maybe inhibiting your, your thinking, hopefully that clears that up. Uh, and then I wanted to also point out here that the uh, uh, Apostle Oh, not one. No, I'm sorry, not the Apostle John. John the Baptist, uh, in Luke three sixteen, John answered them all, and he said, "I baptize you with water, but one who is more important than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire." Hence, we are talking about the fire, the tongues of fire of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so, you know, that's the breakdown. Uh, let me, before we really dive into this, I'm going to ask a very quick favor. If, we, if you wouldn't mind, please hit the like and the subscribe button, as well as ring the bell if you're on YouTube or some of the other uh, platforms. Speaking of other platforms, we're on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, as well as I'm going to ask if you could hit the, um, not hit, but if you go to russicoutlook.com, we have a little pop-up window. If you wouldn't mind joining our email list, we alert you to emails that are coming up. Um, we alert you to events or topics that are coming up down the road. And I will say we've got something special, very special in store in the fall uh, that you may want to know about. And you can find out about that via email. So enough of that. Let me jump right into this. And uh, I, I think it's going to be exciting. And, and why? Because the Lord's involved and Holy Spirit is here. So I'm going to give you just a very quick, brief review uh, on a couple of different video slides of uh, what I outlined in the first two, in case you're just watching this for the first time and you didn't catch uh, uh, the first two sections of this. But the emphasis is on the Word of God and the importance of the Word of God. And I, I cite here Numbers 23.19, Jeremiah 1.12, Isaiah 55.11, and Hebrews 11.3. Uh, let me just, I'll, 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 I'll go out with 
Um, uh, Jeremiah 1.12, the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Isaiah 55.11, so it is that the word goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. Uh, it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose which I sent. So as you speak forth the word of God, there is a cause and effect that happens. And, and this is really what the Lord is emphasizing here. He's reinforcing the authenticity and the power behind the word. I give you the analogy of thunder and lightning that, or thunder that you, you hear first, that there's the sound and later you see the manifestation of that, which is the lightning. I believe oftentimes where the word of God comes, I think that's a good analogy where you speak forth the word of God, then you see the event uh, happening later. Um, and, and it's really just as, as God outlines. So often in times, beginning with uh, the, the uh, uh, Genesis 1 uh, creation where God spoke and then it happened. God spoke and then it happened. So there's a principle there. Uh, so there's there's power behind the word of God is really what I'm trying to emphasize here. Next, we're going to get into the scripture for which this is founded, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. To one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom, another knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith of the same spirit, gifts of healing by that one spirit, another miraculous power, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits and another speaking in different kinds of tongues. Uh, and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. So we're going to be talking about and emphasizing those those last three, um, where we're going to be talking about um, uh, speaking in tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and of prophecy as outlined by Holy Spirit. Again, we've covered the the other six in in two previous episodes, and the the overall theme of this is what I'm calling roar of Holy Spirit and. Uh, why? Because let me begin with Acts 1 through 4, where Jesus gave a commandment to his disciples and, and the friends that were there. He said, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the gift of Holy Spirit. You can see that in Acts 1, 4. Then I outlined all the different things that Holy Spirit brings and avails to us. To us. And I've covered the natural gifts of the Spirit in a number of episodes back, later on sometime down the road, I'm going to break down the ministry gifts as outlined in Ephesians 4.11, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, and then, you know, at the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. So all of these things are available to the body. Some, you know, not everything to everybody, uh, but but this is the power the that you, that God has deposited in you. He's given you something that is that I don't believe we will ever fully gleam or understand until we see him. Uh, but nonetheless, it, it says that. So it's, it's my hope that I will encourage you to seek the Lord on your own concerning these gifts, study it out more, um, as well as ask him for these gifts. Because sometimes, you know, it's like you have not because you ask not. So let's begin with uh, prophecy first. Prophetia is the Greek, and it literally means to speak forth. A prophecy is the speaking forth of a message that is given for the purpose of building up a believer in his or her spiritual life or to come to his or her aid for a specific purpose. Uh, prophecy is given for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Those are edification, exhortation, natural gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14.3, But he that prophesies or speaks unto men for edification, exhortation, and comfort. The definitions, edification, edification refers to 
being built up in our spiritual life. Exhortation refers to a message that comes to one's aid. It is a support that helps for a particular purpose, and comfort refers to a message that expresses tenderness and concern in a particular situation. It is much more personal than an exhortation. Let me state up front, the gift of prophecy is not the same as the ministry of the prophet. So to prophesy is different than the the calling of the prophet, which was emphasized or described in Ephesians 4.11, and that's something I'll cover later on down the road, but by all means, look it up in the meantime. This is given, you know, as I said, for edification and comfort. It is not predictive. So a, a, a prophet, you can say, will, you know, speak forth something that's coming up down the road. That's not what this is. Um, it concerns a future event that is a word of wisdom, not prophecy. Uh, you know, that's, and we've broke that down in the beginning in, in the difference between wisdom and knowledge. So in, what was a prophet? An Old Testament prophet was a seer. The ministry of the prophet was to guide the people in righteousness, warn of the consequences of disobedience. You have all of the five major prophets, the nine minor prophets that are outlined at the end of the Old Testament. Uh, the prophet proclaimed what God was saying to the people at a specific time. It was kind of a warning. Uh, much like, you know, John the Baptist was was giving a, war- a warning, so to speak, that the, the that Jesus was coming. Uh, he op- he operated in the gift of the prophet. Uh, you don't see a lot of, you know, examples in the New Testament. It's usually in the Old Testament. But John the Baptist did operate in the gift of the ministry of the prophet. It is necessary for the prophet to say what is going to happen. Therefore, a prophet spoke concerning the present or the uh, or the past and foretold uh, future events in regard to judgment and restoration. And why? Because, you know, judgment would be coming to a people, a nation, a, a, a particular area. Why? Because it was warning you that unless you get in line, that you've come out of line, you may be worshiping false gods, uh, uh, you know, engaging in, in, in acti- an activity that is sin. And there's, you know, countless examples of that. The ministry of the prophet in the New Testament is to guide the people in righteousness and warn the consequences of disobedience. This involves foretelling future events as a word of wisdom, as well as speaking concerning the present and past. This is very different from the gift of prophecy. Why is this gift necessary? Let me first state, let me go back to my what I said in the beginning. I'm going to read uh, two scriptures concerning all. Um, if you're watching on video, you see it for, for my, uh, friends and, 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 uh, yeah, I'll just, my friends uh, on the different podcast platforms, Joel 2.28, it says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. All people. Then you go to Acts 2.17. I will pour out my spirit on all people. All is all. So, why is this gift necessary? You know, the apostle tells us to desire prophecy. We're, we're to want it. We're, you know, it, because, why? Because you're going to encourage, you're going to exhort, you're going to lift up somebody or some group of people. If we desire the prophecy, to prophesy, we must be filled with scripture. So, you know, where, where the word of God says, study and show yourself approved, 
because the more you have inside of you, the more that God can pour out of you or pull out of you and, and use in particular situations that he wants to. Uh, the Holy Spirit will speak in accordance with the amount of Scripture that is inside of you. If you do not know the Scriptures, that kind of hinders the work. I mean, God can do anything that He wants to. I don't want to insinuate that, but the more you have in you, the more He can use you. I'll put it that way. The gift of prophecy, it can operate at any time. Um, it, it, it can be totally unexpected. I've been in countless situations uh, where, where people just began to prophesy and you didn't expect it. You didn't see it. And uh, that's that's really, you know, that's that's almost, uh, you know, normal as far as I'm concerned, where Holy Spirit tends to surprise you. Um, we should always expect the Holy Spirit to speak through us in a specific situation. Uh, sometimes the Holy Spirit can tell someone to pick up the phone or give a word of encouragement. Perhaps there's somebody, you know, uh, a, a fair amount or a distance away that needs that word of encouragement. And you know, you say, I just happen to have that person on my mind, or I've been thinking about this person or, or that. And sure enough, and, and I believe, you know, most people, if not all of you, have had that where you've picked up the phone or you've emailed somebody or, you know, or you went and you visited them and, they, and you know, God sent you at the right time. Uh, it is necessary for edification and comfort, as I said in 14.3, and it also builds up the, the church. The other thing is, and this is why it's so indicative that it's a gift of Holy Spirit, is it brings conviction, and, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. He brings conviction to you. 1 Corinthians 14.24-25 says, But if all prophesy and there come in one that believes not, no one or or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you uh, or, or in the truth that you bring. Tongues of interpretation should be limited in a meeting, but not prophecy. So we're going to get into tongues, but prophecy can be I, I believe can be uh, brought forth at, at any time, you know, providing that you, you are doing this legitimately as inspired by Holy Spirit. And I will say, this is my own personal opinion, if you believe that the Lord is moving on you to speak and you're not sure, and I trust me, I've been there a thousand times where I'm like, really, you know, you want me to say this or bring this up? And um, I, I find it much more, much better to take that chance because it's a chance sometimes it's a risk uh, I, I i've had to do it a couple of times and if, if we get a chance i may mention this uh, of somebody i did not know but the lord confirmed it uh once i i spoke for i spoke it forth um and you know what i'm going to say it right now uh so long story short i was just saved and for years prior uh, I, I was, I felt like the Lord was calling me and I was always going to different churches, different denominations and listening. But at any rate, um, I, I worked in New York city and there was a street evangelist there for a number of years. And I would just kind of listen to him occasionally, well, more than occasionally, uh, over the years. And, but I didn't approach him. I kind of sat in the background at any rate. Several months after I accepted the Lord, uh, I was cutting through the Port Authority of New York, uh, and I was on the uh, uh, on the second floor looking down, and I could see this man. He was preaching the gospel, and it was rush hour, and people were walking by him, totally ignoring him. And he's pouring out his heart. And I really, you know, th this was somebody that I admired, 
and I felt like he bought something to me. He gave, he deposited something in me. And I felt the Lord saying, you need to go down there and tell him what a blessing he was and encourage him and what he did for you. And of course, I had the argument saying, I can't do that. I don't know this person, blah, blah, blah. At any rate, the Lord convicted me of, and I went down and I approached him and I said, sir, I'm sorry, you know, you don't know me, but, and I went on to explain to him, you know, what he meant to me and, and over the years, how I watched and listened to him and his big, huge beaming smile just came up. And this was an old man or an elderly man, maybe in his sixties, early seventies, tattered clothes, didn't really have a lot of money you could see, but he loved God. And this smile just came over his face that I can still see to this day. And uh, he he kind of grabbed me around, uh, put a hand to my forearm, both hands to forearms, and I grabbed his. And let me tell you something, the power and the fire. I mean, we felt heat that I've never felt before. It just went up my arm and through him. And in, in the same in him, we both felt it. So it was a, a manifestation of Holy Spirit that was happening right there. And, and he said to me, he said, son, I was just telling the Lord, I'm so sorry that I wasn't able to bring somebody to the Lord this whole week. So here I did not know that this man, you know, was, was, was feeling bad and I did not know him, but I went and I gave him a, a word of encouragement, we call it a prophesy or, or, or whatever, but Holy Spirit was involved and it really lifted him up It encouraged him. And it blessed me because I knew this was not about me, it's about him, but it also reminded me that sometimes God gives us something to do for somebody else. There's somebody else in trouble, so when you pick up that phone or somebody's on your heart, remember that God's probably doing that because that person could be in a situation that needs that. Uh, The gift of prophecy is a gift that every believer should seek to move in, Uh, and and again, because you're, you're blessing the church, so... All of this is available to you. Um, I, I, well, you know, I didn't mean, I didn't think I was going to go off on that little bit of a side story, but I, I hope and trust that may have helped you. So let's break into the different kinds of tongues. There are divers kinds of tongues or what's called speaking with tongues. Uh, it is a supernatural utterance by Holy Spirit in languages that you've never learned or, sp- or spoken, nor understood by the mind of the speaker, uh, nor to the hearer. And I will say that at times you may be speaking and not knowing it's another language. I've seen situations where people were speaking in tongues and not knowing what it was, but there was somebody uh, within earshot that understood it in their language. It has nothing to do with mind or intellect or linguistic ability. Uh, you can be the most prolific speaker and you could be one who is maybe not or a child. Uh, man's will is active, and as long as the spirit and his speech and your organs are moving, the, the mind is operating as the mind of God through the Holy Spirit. And another reason this is so important, uh, and I'm just going to speak for myself, and yes, I do speak with other kinds of tongues, um, there's times where I just don't know what to pray, and I feel like I should pray. And, and I will pray in the Holy Spirit or pray in tongues because I believe, know that I'm, 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 Whatever it is that I'm communicating is the will of God, and it's inspired by the will of God. Um, So the linguistic skill of a man is no more employed in speaking with tongues than the surgical skill of a man who was employed when Peter, when when Peter's word, he said, rise and walk. The lame man instantly arose and leaped and walked. It is, in short, a miracle. God avails all of this to you. The Lord himself instituted the gift of tongues. 
I think that's important. I'm, I, I want to say that again. The Lord Jesus himself instituted the gift of tongues. He did not believe it to, he did not limit it to the believers in the apostolic days. It was promised to all. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall speak with new tongues, 16.7. So it is a sign to believers. The scriptural evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Let me give you what, what scripture has to say. And these are the what I'm titling the main points. In Jerusalem at Pentecost, they were filled with the Spirit. It says in Acts 2.4, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In Caesarea, eight years later, on the Gentiles, it was poured out this gift for they spoke with, uh, with tongues, Acts 10.46. 23 years later, after Pentecost, we see it again in Acts 19.6, where it says the Holy Ghost came on them and they spoke with tongues. So again, this is not just specifically relegated to that time in the upper room or around that time just after Jesus ascended. This was available at all times. It is not recorded that Paul spoke with tongues when he received his baptism, but later records make it obvious that he did. You can reference Acts 9.17 and 1 Corinthians 14.8. Um, here's Paul speaking that he that speaks in a tongue speaks not unto men, unto God. For no man understands him. How a bit the spirit, he speaks divine secrets. It's, it's another wonderful thing. You're, <coughs> I'm sorry, you're speaking secrets. First Corinthians, and this is Paul. 1 Corinthians 14.2 makes it clear tongues are not unto men, but unto God. Uh, Acts 2, they were magnifying God for his wonderful works. Believers may magnify God. Uh, we may edify ourselves. He that speaks in a tongue edifies himself. 1 Corinthians 14.4, that our spirits as distinct from our understanding might pray. 1 Corinthians 14.14, 14. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. So, you know, he's saying there that you, you pray with that un unknown tongue. Uh, you don't necessarily understand it, although the Lord may reveal that to you later on, or you know, I'll, I'll maybe get into that later. Um but I will say there are times when, as I said, I don't know how to pray or when to pray or what, you know, if I want to. But if I do spend time praying in the Spirit, I have a sense of calm and of peace afterwards that I did the right thing, that I accomplished something. I may not always know what it is, and more oftentimes I do not know what it is, but I feel like whatever the Holy Spirit willed or intended in that situation, it was accomplished. Interpretation of tongues. It is a supernatural showing forth of the meaning of an utterance in a tongue. So what will happen in a church situation a lot of times, and this is the only time I've, no, that's not true. I have seen it outside of the church. Um, but what, what in a group or an assembly of people, and this is what I think is very important. Um, if somebody will speak, so picture yourself with a group of people, potentially in a church, and somebody comes up and will start to speak in tongues. Unless the interpretation is given, that does nothing at all for the church or the church body uh, or the people within earshot. So, and I think there are times where people will do that, and I've seen this happen, 
where people start praying in tongues out loud and there is no interpretation. And that's that's where I'd say that I don't believe the Holy Spirit was necessarily in that. And then, you know, maybe the person felt like they should and maybe they got it wrong. But I would say better to get it to try and get it wrong than to try or not try and miss it. Uh, the So what will happen is the person will give the tongues, then another person operating in the gift of interpretation will come and and give that interpretation. I happened to be involved in a church in the 90s that I've seen this on several occasions and you know a lot of times the interpretation bore out later on that it was spot on and you know there there was two people that come to mind that uh, on, on several different occasions over the years not often you know this would be you know once once in a while uh that but this one person would wind up giving you know asking for the microphone and the pastor was knew that they could trust that person gave it to them and then later sure enough there was another pastor who had the interpretation of it um and 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 I've seen this with other people as well but that's where your that's where the gift is flowing in the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues in a church service and the body is then edified in it uh the purposes of the gift is to make the gift in of tongues intelligible uh, so the interpretation, like, and again, if somebody's speaking in tongues, you don't necessarily understand that. There will be situations, um, and, well, I'll, I'll cover that very shortly, where people will be praying together and people will be praying in the Spirit, but it's not necessarily for those around us. It's, it's At times it could be an intercessory uh, type prayers where groups of people are praying to the Holy Spirit the interpretation does not necessarily come with that. Um, so without this gift, speaking with tongues is unprofitable in the assembly. Uninterpreted speaking should be expressly prohibited in public gatherings of believers. I believe I believe, I believe that. Um, Acts 2, we're not the 120 speaking to God at Pentecost. And that's kind of what I'm talking about, that intercessory type approach, that group approach where the Spirit of God fell on the 120 and they were all speaking in tongues, but you don't see any record of interpretation there. Um, so, and, and did not what was overheard come as messages to the devout Jews? Remember, you know, the Jews were there. Was not the recital of God to his marvelous work a recital to men of the same works? And was it not exactly this that constituted the message and convicted the hearers of their need of that same knowledge of God? So that's, that's the value of speaking and the gift of interpretation of tongues. Uh, interpretation requires more faith than the operation. And I, and I believe that uh, because, you know, again, you have to have that faith that God's called you to interpret. So um, you, you, there's got to be a really good walk with the Lord to, to hear somebody know that, okay, an interpretation is coming and you need to be the one to give it. Uh, one reason for this is that since what we say in interpretation is understood by our minds, our adversary has more than likely uh, a method of silencing us by the inevitable suggestion that we are making it up. And 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 I, you know, you can go back to the book of Acts where they said they are drunk, and you know it was early in the morning, and you know Peter said, you know, these are not people who are drunk with wine, but filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and and I'm just saying that because I think people would, and I know that they do, 
people mock that they don't understand it. So if you if you say that you are speaking in an unknown tongue, they may mock you. Uh, somebody may be listening to me, and I say I speak in an unknown tongue, and they may mock me. So be it. I'm I'm just, you know, I'm at that point. I don't care. Um, it is a principle that the greater the gift, the greater the faith that needs for the operation. Listen to the voice of the word still commanding. Stir the gift up that the church may receive edifying, that the Lord Jesus may abundantly be magnified through this at the appointed heavenly and supernatural agencies. Let me just sum this up. There are private tongues, which I talked about. If you're praying to yourself, you edify yourself as 1 Corinthians 14.2. Then there's spirit-led intercession. We talked about that. You can see that in Romans 8.26. Then there's public tongues, the individual, Acts 2, 4, uh, 4 through 14, and in those same verses, you see the interpretation. So that's kind of the summary of, of these different gifts. Hopefully that, that's made that clear. At least that's, that's my hope. I just wanted to share my own personal experience very quickly because, you know, it's important to, to tell people of your testimony. And, and I wanted to emphasize that this is nothing to fear. And, and this is what happened to me. It does. Everybody's different. And, and let me also say that it doesn't, you're, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. So I, I, I hope I'm, I'm clear about that. But what happened to me was when I, the day I received Jesus publicly, where I, you know, I, I was battling for years, you know, not not just in fear of, of, of kind of giving up. But I finally got, you know, I was finally comfortable at a church I was attending in the 90s, and I gave my life to the Lord publicly. And, you know, they, they say, would you like to just step aside and we'll explain to you what happened with salvation? And, you know, they give you a Bible. Um, in that, you know, there was a person who was working at the church as a custodian. And, and I just say that because... The Holy Spirit moves on everybody regardless of what you do in life, uh, whether you're a blue-collar worker, white-collar worker, it doesn't matter. And and this person was so gifted and so so anointed. And, you know, he explained to me, and he said, would you, son, would you like to receive, son, it wasn't that old, you know, he said, would you like to receive the gift of Holy Spirit? And I didn't really understand it, but I was like, sure. So he just put his hand on my head. That was it. And immediately, I the way I equate this is, um, if you see people in the street, construction workers with a giant jackhammer drilling hard into the pavement, trying to dig down, and their whole body convulses and shakes with the power uh, from the from the motor that's in the jackhammer, that's how I felt that, and and this surge, this supernatural surge that I I can't readily explain, but I felt it go through my entire body. What seemed like for a couple of minutes, it might have been a few seconds, um, and it just, it like I felt it on the inside of my body. It just, from head to toe, it just filled me. And all of a sudden, I started speaking in other tongues, and I couldn't control it. It just, it just, it was a language that I didn't know, didn't understand. My mind was hearing what I was coming out of my mouth, but I was like, and I might have been freaking out a bit, I don't know, but... That's what happened to me. That's my experience. And and then I know of many others who asked for it and they and they began to to speak it and to just start to utter different words. And I'll explain that in a second. But I just I wanted to share my experience and and, and I'm so grateful. Um but but again, it, you know, the emphasis for me and, and for anybody listening, hopefully, is that this is nothing to fear. 
so how do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Uh, for believers only, this is for believers only. You ask the Father, ask and it will be given. You know, he stands at the door, a door of your heart, Matthew 7, 7. Um, it is a spiritual uh, principle that uh, throughout the scriptures that you must ask. When you ask, you do so in faith. You're never wavering. Uh, understand it is God's will to give good gifts to his good, good, bleh, give good gifts to his children. James 1, 6 through 7. So here's a very simple prayer. I'm breaking this down. If you desire to speak in other tongues and, and, and you haven't yet, uh, or, or, or it's just something that you want. Um, and you can put this in your own language. I tried to simplify this. Uh, if you're following me on video, I write here, Father, you promised you would pour out your spirit in the last days, and I am hungry for the gift of Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I receive the gift now. Impart to me the prayer language of the Holy Spirit for your glory. Amen. You can put it into your own language. That's that's kind of how I view it. It, it really is that simple. Uh, and then begin to mer worship the Lord with your mouth. Just praise him. Just thank him for for what he's doing in you. And, and you know, it says in the day of Pentecost, they began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Another translation says, as the Spirit enabled them. The Amplified says it this way, as the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression. So the emphasis is on what you must do. You must speak it forth. Think about what I said earlier, that the sound must come forth first. You must do the speaking and the Holy Spirit will impart the words. Even if it sounds silly to you, try not to get hung up in, in, in what's going on. And it's probably more comfortable to be doing this in a closet, uh, you know, if, if, if you don't know of somebody or if you know somebody who knows the Lord and, and you know, gets what I'm, what I'm talking about here, you know, ask them to pray with you and, and, and ask them to help you. But open your mouth. You must act. I promise you that as you act and you, you utter these words, Holy Spirit will meet you. And it's been my experience in, in, uh, over the years in watching people. Sometimes the Lord will give you just a couple of words. But the more you do it, the more the language extends and extends and extends. Um, and, I, and I've seen that consistently throughout numbers of people. Um, so after asking the Holy Spirit to fill you, you should feel uh, a, a, a sense that the, spirits are, the words are coming out that are unfamiliar with your own understanding. And as they, as they begin to speak what they hear, the anointing should begin to flow. In other words, you're taking that step of faith. You maybe think you're, you're silly or you're uncomfortable. But Holy Spirit will honor that. Paul taught when a believer is speaking in tongues, his spirit is praying to God. Your inner spirit has ears to hear just as your physical body does. The reason a believer can hear the words of the Spirit before he or she actually speaks is because the Holy Spirit dwells with the spirit of that person, imparting, indwelling power and a language, but the person must speak first to inspire the words. Let me close here by saying, I'm going to just read a, a, you know, a couple of scriptures, that the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of the Lord thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the, of the Lord is majestic. So the voice that you speak, the speaking in other tongues, it is powerful. It goes forth. Um, you know, you know, and again, you may not understand it and, it and kind of that whole thunder and lightning analogy that I gave you. 
Um, it, it is not my word is not my word like fire declares the Lord and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. And again, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. So going back to the gift of prophesying. Um, and then, as I said, this is really all about the roar of Holy Spirit. There's a video uh, snapshot here of a lion, uh, what looks like on, on the uh, western wall of the, or the wailing wall in Jerusalem. Hear him roar from Zion. The voice of the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit declare, decree, speak it forth. You know, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So speak forth, do your best, and I promise you God will meet you if I'm speaking to people who are not familiar with this gift but desire it. So thank you for your time again. Uh, I, I hope and trust that this was edifying to you. It exhorted you and encouraged you. Um, and, and, and hopefully, you know, made things a little bit simpler if you were apprehensive or unsure or in fear or just didn't understand the gift of tongues. And again, and if you don't speak in the gift of tongues, that's fine. This is not about salvation. This is about something that the Lord is offering you. Um, questions, comments, shoot me an email, russicoutlook at gmail.com. Prayer requests, more than happy to jump on that. Really, thank you again. I hope and trust this was a blessing to you. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook. And remember, as always, just my opinion. <laughs>